laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? We should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Murs and David Horning on this week's episode. I think I started that joke. I wrote that joke probably a year into stand-up, but I didn't perform it for another year because I was scared. Let's be honest. Work sucks. There's a reason we don't look forward to Monday mornings and we look forward to Friday nights. But what if we could change that? That's why there's water cooler comedy. Did you know that incorporating humor into your work makes you more creative, more innovative, and more collaborative? That's why we bring in professional comedians to break up the monotony of the work week with a fun comedy show. Or you can bring in a keynote speaker to share new ideas for how to incorporate humor into the everyday activities of the workplace. Or we have a program called Creative Kickoffs, where we start your day, your meeting, your Monday by bringing your team together with improv exercises and fun team building activities. It's water cooler comedy. You can find us on social media, on Twitter at Comedy Cooler, on Instagram at Water Cooler Comedy, and on our website at watercoolercomedy.org because work is the time and place to laugh. Hello, everybody. This is David Horning. I'm Steve Mers. And we are joined today by the very funny Liz Blanc. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Well, Welcome to You Can't Laugh at That, where we take things that you can't laugh at and find ways to prove that statement incorrect. Uh, today we are going to talk about the never taboo, always appropriate topic of... School shootings. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect you to say that. <laughs> oh, appropriate for our guest. Yes, absolutely. Uh, um, Liz uh, has, I mean, the first time I saw her, like, I mean, she's just phenomenal on stage. I've seen you do that set dozens of times, and every time I enjoy it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and and yeah. even uh, you know, even though I've seen it so many times, it's always great to watch an audience experience it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, I mean, it, it, <clears throat> it creates a new experience for me um, just because it's always, like, different people, and I always love, like, you get to a certain joke, and we'll get to it later, um, but you get to a certain joke in your set where I'm always like, ooh, how are they going to respond? <laughs> like, what are they going to do? Me and, too. <laughs> that's got to be great, though. I mean, like, just being on stage and not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, how does that, I mean, how does that feel? Like, just I mean, it. I like it. I like it when it goes well more <laughs> than when it bombs, but. Do, do you experience, I mean, how often does that happen, like, where it doesn't go as planned? Um, not too often. With older audiences, it tends to go a little rougher. Uh-huh. And I've taken it out of my set if I'm at, like, a VFW hall. Okay. Like, <laughs> this isn't in my best interest. Yeah. I'm just going to not right. do it tonight. Yeah. I just want to remind you guys of our sponsor today. It's New Balance. Uh, these, uh... <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Brought to you by Dad Shoes. Yeah. <laughs> my dad actually told me, he was like, making fun of New Balance isn't edgy, and mine have a blue end, so they're not plain white, so. 
like, all right. Uh, okay, kind of the like... idea, but. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so, I mean, this is obviously a sensitive topic. It's something that happens far too often. And uh, we're going to break down why it can be funny, uh, where certain comedians go wrong uh, when they're talking about something as sensitive as this. And uh, I don't know how we can connect with people who uh, who are trying to find the funny in the world. So, uh, first and foremost, uh, we like to play a clip from another comedian uh, who's kind of covering the topic. And uh, we'll use that as our jump-off point and then go from there. Okay. Sound fun? All right, Liz, uh, she selected David Cross, who's great. Uh, he's, he plays, <laughs> I mean, he's from, you know, uh, Mr. Show, HBO, back in the day. Uh, but his comedy is nothing like Tobias from Arrested Development. When you truly consider the, the, the temperament and the personality that makes up the kind of person that uh, willfully accepts what's easily the most thankless job in all of the United States of America for very little money, where the sole satisfaction is to take this empty vessel and, and hopefully create a, a good, ethical, moral, creative, inquisitive, decent creature and put them out in the world and then shoot it. Be- <laughs> Because, look, all teachers share two traits, okay? They love to teach, and they love to shoot. They, oh man, they love shooting. They love it. Don't let that goody-goody bullshit fool you. They fucking love it. You kidding? Jesus. (laughs) All right, class, now when we uh, last left off, we were uh, talking about homonyms, and a homonym, and and you'll have to forgive me, but this is not my normal writing hand, but, uh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) A homonym is a word that sounds the same, but it's spelled differently, and (laughs) Cody, open up your mouth. Open up your mouth, young man. Is that gum in your mouth? Is it? Yes, it is gum, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. And did you bring enough for the entire class? Did you bring enough for the entire class? Get up here. Get up here right now. Get up here. All right. All right, Cody, I want you to give me the gum. No, 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 no. Don't spit it out in your hand. I want you to put it on the barrel of my gun. Yeah. Use your mouth. Yeah. Suck on that. How's that taste, huh? Not too good. What's up, chattery teeth? Are <laughs> you going to chip your tooth? At... Oh, Jesus. All right, just go to the principal's office, have him call your mom, bring you a new pair of pants. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what Wayne LaPierre said. <laughs> you have to arm the teachers. And that's ridiculous. That's insane. That's backwards thinking. It's absurd. It's not going to do anything. You know, there are armed guards at Columbine. It didn't do anything. I mean... No. If you want to ensure absolute security, you have to arm the students, okay? (laughs) Every student gets a gun in my America, all right? And I know what you're saying, but David, they were at Sandy Hook, they were first graders, they're five or six years old, they can't handle a assault rifle, the recoil will take their arm off. Yeah. I know. That's why we give the first graders those Smith & Wesson lady guns, those little fun guns you can stick in your purse and make shooting fun and carefree and feminine. And then maybe they can wing the shooter, buy some time for the second and third graders. They're the ones with the fucking AK-47s. Go, 
And, he, and here's the thing, Toronto, here's the thing. <laughs> right now in the United States of America, there are only 282 congressmen and 33 governors who are beholden to the NRA. They're venal, craven people who take their money and won't allow any kind of safety measure, anything, to even come to the floor for a vote. No, 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 no. And that is not a lot of people for a country of over 320 million people, the vast majority of whom would like to see some gun control measures enacted. And I just wonder what would happen if whoever the NRA's highest rated congressperson was, you know, 100% rating A++, five smiling bullets, whatever the fucking thing is, you know, <laughs> what would happen if they were at work and it was take your daughter to work day, right? And some crazy motherfucker, crazy guy, you know, went off his meds trying to get, uh, uh, you know, therapy and mental health, but there wasn't enough money for it, so he didn't. And he went out and he goes and he comes in with, he's dressed in Kevlar vests and he's got AR-15s, AK-47, Bushmasters, all modded out with magazines filled with steel jacketed hollow point armor piercing bullets, all shit he got off the internet three days ago. And he comes in, he takes out security and he gets to the floor and he takes out 9, 10, 11, 12 people before he's put down. And one of them is the senator's daughter. And I wonder what he would think, you know, as he was kneeling there, like cradling her dying body in, in his hands, bullet-ridden, her, her spine is, is, is crushed and her, she's drowning in her own fluid because her lung is pierced. And you can see the, the bullet holes, the deep, dark, sticky blood that's spurting out. It's spurting up, but it's getting weaker and weaker with each pulse as, as she, this beautiful girl, well, beautiful on the inside, I guess, but a uh, beautiful girl <laughs> is looking up at her father and she's, she's begging him, please, she's looking up going, Daddy, Daddy, what happened? What, what happened? But she can't because her larynx is sliced in two and all that's coming out is a wet, gurgly wheeze and, and he can literally see the light leaving her eyes as she dies in his arms and, and I wonder if he would think, oh, Small price to pay. <laughs> oh. Freedom isn't free, sweetheart. Freedom isn't free. Sit <laughs> 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 up. All right. That took a turn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, what a great <laughs> setup, though. I mean, like, <laughs> he starts humming God Bless America. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's poignant. He's, uh, have you, have you watched, well, first of all, he does a great job. Like, what do you, what do you love about that cliff? Like, what's your, um, I like the way he starts it off. Like, we know teachers, they love to teach, they love to shoot. <laughs> and then he's like, no, let's arm the children and let's, you know, do all this crazy things, do all these crazy things. And I don't know, I just think it's so interesting. It's a completely different way than my thinking. Right. This was uh, this was done in 2016, so it was like probably right around when Trump was talking about arming the teachers and how that's the solution. And 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 I think this was his made it, Make America Great Again tour because mm -hmm. he came to the Masonic and I saw him, mm. and yeah. there was like a walkout after one of his jokes. <laughs> of course. It, it Why was would you like, go to a David Cross show and then walk out? Right. 
But yeah, so they were expecting Tobias Funke. That's when I like fell in love with his comedy. Yeah, he's my brand of dark. It's I mean, too dark. It's more dark than I would probably go, just because most people just get turned off by that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I can I can see why, but at the same time, like I always there's a point. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Right, right. You know? There's he, always that tension and release. He has fans, so he can lean into that. Mm-hmm. But when you have to play it a little bit safer when you don't have like a big fan base, you know. Mm-hmm. He did a great. I mean, that was very descriptive, very graphic. And then a <laughs> small price to pay. Just that ease of tension at the, yeah. that. It just it points out the absurdity of of the culture in such a poignant but also funny way. Right. Which is, I mean, that's if you're gonna joke about this stuff, that's what you have to do. Like you have to. There has to be tension, and then there has to be like a release of that tension. Well, in that last two minutes was just basically him saying, "What if that were your kid?" Yeah. But he just draws it out in this very like uncomfortable sort of way that creates like a visceral reaction from anyone and if you're if that if you're one of those NRA people and you're listening to that and you haven't tuned out I mean I feel like you know that would make a little bit of headway into your subconscious a little bit just be like oh shit that's hmm." one way to put it small price to pay (laughs) well I uh, so in preparation for this, I watched. Have you guys seen uh, the season premiere for the season of South Park? No. It is. I, I'm not a like I watch an occasional episode here and there, but I've never really just been like, oh my god, South Park. Um, but the the season premiere of season 22, um, the, the very opening scene, they're in the classroom and you just hear gunshots in the background, and then the teacher just starts talking louder as the gunshots get louder, like she's teaching a math lesson, and. There are multiple school shootings throughout this episode, but they're not even the A story. The the A story is uh, Stan's mom uh, is the only person who's, like, trying to do anything about solving this school shooting problem. And uh, so Stan's dad thinks she's just on her period, and that's why she's getting emotional. <laughs> so the whole thing is him trying to feel like and – then, and then he thinks she's going through menopause – and so the whole the A story is like trying to get her to apologize to him for being so emotional <laughs> while she's on her period. And then the B story is Cartman is trying to get Token to admit that he uh, he didn't like Black Panther. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like school shootings happening, mm-hmm. and the it's brilliantly written because it 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 just encapsulates like how we treat school shootings now it's like oh it's just another day mm-hmm. you know another day at the office it's like, the oh you're for, mad because you're on your period yeah like, in the news for 2 days and then back to what are the kardashians doing or whatever you know sick it, thing that we're into right <laughs> and we're too busy uh we're too busy harassing women and black people right to fix the, the problems it's it's a perfectly <clears throat> written episode because it never it never explicitly says that not once. Yeah. Not what like she's the only voice of reason, and uh, I mean her whole thing is like, what if it's your kid? And everyone else is just doing their own thing. It's great. It's it's perfectly written. I think that's how you really get people to laugh at something like that is like make it like the absurdity of the fact that we're not doing anything about mm-hmm. it. We're not doing anything about it. Um. So. I definitely recommend watching it. It's it's very funny. There's some really good there's some really good lines. Like there's this grandiose musical number at the end where Stan's dad like 
has people get his wife to come into the school. Uh, they tell her there's a shooting, and she's like, oh, my God. I'm like, I got to get there. And then the lights are all off. They turn on. There's like flower petals everywhere. <laughs> and like he comes in and sings her a song about like being on her period and how he wants her back. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But it's it's. And then meanwhile, there's a shooting happening. There's just bullets flying through the air and <laughs> people are getting wounded and they're more concerned about her period than than what's actually going on. So, I mean, it's a great way to, to look at things they I always think. take micro they always make a microcosm of like society yeah. in their show and they just have people assume those roles yeah like characters yeah it's brilliant I think everybody should watch South Park um, just for that reason like if there's if there's something that you're resistant find an episode where they talk about that I don't know it's like I mean that's that's the beauty of comedies because you can tell somebody something and they don't realize that you're uh, giving them a message right if you make right. them laugh that's why I lo- that's why I love your joke uh, just because it's like it's so poignant, and I don't think we can talk about it without actually listening to it. So let's do this. As a teacher, I'm always learning new things. I love to learn new things. Learned something new last week. I learned that the principal's office is not just for children. You can get called down as a teacher. I heard my name on the PA. I was like, oh my god, I'm getting an award. I'm so nervous. <laughs> I walked in, uh, my principal was like, sit down. I was like, oh my God, I'm not getting an award. So <laughs> what did I even do? He was like, I had parents calling me, emailing me, talking to me about your classroom management style. I'm like, oh my God, what's the problem? And I still don't know the proper protocol if a fight breaks out in my room. I just know I can't cover my coffee and yell world star. <laughs> funny stuff on that material. Yeah, yeah. Expertly weaved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was scary. Oh, man. Going I, up there that night. <laughs> was that uh, was that a weekend? Yeah, I yeah. think it was a weekend. And Crystal Powell was headlining, so okay. it was a pretty diverse audience. Okay. Wow. Well, first of all, that's that's a joke we were talking about earlier. Um, how did, like, how long ago did you write that? Like, what was the, uh, what was the 
thought process as you wrote that joke down? As you- I think I started that joke... I wrote that joke probably a year into stand-up, but I didn't perform it for another year. Really? Because I was scared. Hmm. And I, the first place I performed it, I believe, was the Laugh Factory in Chicago. Oh, wow. Because I felt like I could there. Yeah. So different. <laughs> yeah. Funny Stop and Laugh Factory. Yeah. Mm, completely different. <laughs> I love the Laugh Factory in Chicago. Yeah. Funny Stop, or uh, Laugh Factory, you tried it the first time? I was, did, because yeah. I was like, this is just, it's going to go fine here. Liberals, hipsters, mostly educated young adults, they're they're going to latch onto it. I'm not going to need to, like, defend it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the dad bit at that point. The right. dad bit came after it kept bombing in front of white people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need a way to, like, dig myself out of this fast. And that's mm-hmm. when I wrote that. Yeah. It's a great way to pull them back in. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Seems to work. Mm-hmm. So your your writing process uh, with this joke, like what? How did it start? Was it was it? Did you come up with the premise and then write the punchlines around that, or did you start with one of the punchlines and then build the bit? So the world star joke was one of the first jokes I ever wrote, and I just left it at you can't cover your coffee and yell world star. Yeah. And then my parents and I actually had a conversation, and my parents and I agree politically. So we were having a conversation and they were like, you're probably never going to have a shooting at your school. Your demographics don't fit. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like culturally, it tends to be young white males. Mm -hmm. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, I feel like there's something there. And then school shootings just kept happening. And I was like, they're going to give us guns before they give us the stuff we need to actually teach. Like, I'm going to keep buying supplies, but I'm going to walk in one fall and they're going to be like, here's your laptop, here's your Glock, have a good year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be at Staples every weekend, like, buying paper, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a sad state of affairs. (laughs) I dated a teacher and she was like, I don't have the money to buy all this shit. And these kids keep breaking, like, everything. Oh, yeah. And, And it's that's such a great way to frame it, just... First of all, you you set up with the world star line, just saying, like this idea of arming the teachers is completely absurd. Right. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm somebody who covers their coffee and yells world star. Right. When like this is how out. I tried to like make fun of myself a little bit. Like mm-hmm. this is how immature I am. This is where I am mentally. Why would you hand me a gun? Right. Right, and that's a great way to frame it too, because you're you're punching down on yourself first. Uh, so it kind of like it subconsciously like brings the audience with you because it's like oh I can laugh at myself. And now I set up this deep topic in a way that's just so non-threatening. I don't know. It's it's a great it's a great joke. I, th- I think it's important to to not like punch down. You know, like you don't want to. If you're gonna joke, if you're gonna joke about something like this, you can't joke about like the victims. Right. I think that's insane. I I, I don't get that. Like Louis C.K. did that a little bit on the on his audio that got leaked. Yeah. This is a joke that that speaks to all people if if they allow it. Too. And mm-hmm. I, I remember when you added that uh, "it's okay, my dad's white" tag. I mean, that's a great, that's a great tag. It's just like, oh, yeah, no, that's kind of ridiculous too. So this is funny. Okay, we should, we should be laughing now. That that was a great move on your part. Well, thank you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just, I think your your joke writing is phenomenal. It's um, great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, th- this whole bit is so polished. It's so it's like. Like ready for late night. Like you could do that whole bit on late night. Yeah, and get a standing. Yeah, yeah. That's, 
Well, thanks. Know, I was, yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I'm it's all like cohesive and interrelated. That's mm-hmm. what makes it nice and, like, tailored for, like, TV. And it's still good, too. It's not just like, oh, everybody, you know, like, it's not lowest common denominator. It may, like, appeal to that, but it's not designed that way. It's still good, too, you know, so. It's a joke for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, like, it starts with you kind of. I'm re- I'm immature, and you think I should have a gun? Mm-hmm. You think I should have a gun before I should have the supplies to do my job? Right. It's great. And I think everybody can agree that teachers are wildly unappreciated and wildly underpaid for like, hey, set up our uh, our society for the future. Ugh, Here's a few scary. bucks. Right. Right. <laughs> Here's a few bucks, and uh, you know, if you stay long enough, you're tenured. Right. And you get like a pension. <laughs> it's like what? That's just absurd to me. Yeah, education is our biggest problem in this country, mm-hmm. and yet we're not fixing it. Right, I That's find the root of every problem we have is the lack of education or the quality of it. <clears throat> Absolutely, I mean, you can look at any problem and just be like, "Well, what's the solution?" Well, education. Yeah. Well, and we we have a bill that's being looked at where if students answer scientific questions incorrectly, but for religious reasons, that's okay. <sighs> So That's, it's okay as in it's correct? Or it's so weird. I was under the impression. I didn't read the whole article. Yeah. But um, maybe it could be omitted from their test. Ugh. I'm not sure. But there are state tests that have um, questions, from my understanding, that have to do with evolution and things of that nature. And at this point, I'm sorry if you're super religious, but if you don't believe in evolution, you're dumb. Yeah. The uh, the SATs are the exception, though. I'm am s- certain of that, right? They have to be. They well, can't. I think they're talking about like just um, general tests that kids have to take to like graduate and things like that, Ugh. and just kind of like in general in the classroom. Yeah, it's just yeah. That's you can look the article up if you're listening. If you can just Google like Ohio test religious science or something, you'll find it. It made me sad. Yeah, I agree with you on all that. Let's ignore scientific evidence <laughs> just so I can be right. Right. What? That's absurd to me. It's like the lack of education is eating away at its at the lack of education. Like it gets so bad that it starts to destroy mm-hmm. itself, which is really scary. And uh, I think billionaires want us to be dumb. Yeah. I think that's the whole idea of eroding public ed. Last year was your last year teaching, right? It was. Yeah. So now that you you've had a few months away from it, um, do you, has your perspective on like education or like just the way schools are run has it changed at all, or is it like have you just hammered home what you already thought you knew? Um, it's really just reinforced what I knew at the time and why I left. I, I didn't want to remain in that system that I think is broken and was at the same time breaking me. And uh, I just couldn't do it anymore. Didn't have it in me. I get it. For sure. How long How long did you teach? 11 years. 11 years. Yeah, that's a, wow. that's a good enough time to realize that nah, this isn't good yeah. for my well-being anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, it becomes, I mean, it becomes so much, like, not about the students anymore. It's about, like, Right. You know, it's all about money. Mm-hmm. That's absurd. <laughs> that's ridiculous to me. I'm sorry. Well, that, like, now that you're, yeah, I mean, you're still kind of educating people just being on stage, just yeah, in a I'm way. I'm trying to do, and now yeah. I can say whatever I want. Yeah, like I don't have to cut anything out. 
Now, were you worried about that uh, while you were teaching? Like, um, my union was pretty strong. It's a big, yeah. strong union, mm-hmm. and I was in urban public. So, like, who's coming after my job? Not very many people. So I took the stage name, and then I agreed to, like, never say my building or be, like, specific with, like, names or anything. Right. That's and fair. No, as long as I didn't tell people where I worked, we were good pretty much. Yeah, that's good because you just say, you know, I work, I work on the east side of Cleveland, and that's that's all you need to know to to set up the jokes. Right, it's perfect. <laughs> I love it. No, you never you never mention any students by name. You don't even give them like fake names, do you? In my student insult joke, where he's like, "You potato chip looking oh, yeah. ass," I gave them two fake names. Did you uh, when when you were giving them fake names? Did you like go through different names before you found like one that's. I mean, because some names will be funnier just sounding like Paul is funnier than like Phyllis or whatever. You know? I made them super generic and sometimes they still change. Really? Um, I think I say Dylan and Kevin now or something. Yeah, very generic. And that, that, that punch, that Dylan, Kevin. Right. It's funny. That's weird how that works. Things like that are funnier. But you no, know, that joke is like, we don't even have white kids here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, statistically speaking, you're right. That's it's true. So your parents said that. Did you like immediately think, oh, that's a great joke? Yeah, I was like, wow, I like this is messed up. And I think part of our jobs job as a comedian is kind of like, let's take messed up things and let's make people think about them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a less messed up way. Like if you can make people laugh at something, kind of done your job right if you force them to think and laugh right you've given them a new perspective when you laugh at something that goes against your belief that's just like oh shit i haven't thought about it that way before even if they were consciously thinking that or not like it doesn't matter you've made that connection you're definitely setting yourself up for a good laugh when you can build that tension with that type of subject matter too that's what makes that work so well you know i I do that too and and it works it's multifaceted, you know. You're not even, like, I mean, that's not even a joke. You're just giving them a fact. Like, I won't even have to use this gun. We don't even have white kids. That's right. a fact. That's right. not even, like, a joke. It's just, which makes it even more poignant. And I think it's easier, like, he was talking. I, I felt David Cross, and I think his daughter was, like, just born at that time. So I I felt like he was talking from an angry parent's perspective. Yeah. I'm talking from a teacher's perspective. So I think when you talk from your own experience, it makes it much more palatable. People feel more uh, obligated to accept it because you're just, you're being honest and Mm -hmm. being who you are. You cross the line. Now we are going to uh, kind of go into the right way to do this kind of joke and uh, (laughs) the wrong way, I guess. I mean, you can call it the wrong way. Um, but this is from uh, Louis C.K.'s leaked set from the governors, which, first of all, obviously this is not a, a finished joke, considering, I mean, this is just a random show that he did. So the fact that we're judging him based off of something that was leaked, also, like, I had jokes that, yeah, I mean, if you were to record my set and be like, listen to how insensitive this is, it's like, that's not the, the final joke yet. I'm not there yet. I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say still. Um, so with that in mind... Uh, this is Lucy K. live from uh, Governor's Comedy Club. I don't know. They testified from, in front of Congress. These kids. Like, what the fuck? What are you doing? You're, you're young. You should be crazy. You should be unhinged. 
Not in a suit saying, I'm here to tell, fuck you. You're not interesting. Because you went to a high school where kids got shot? Why does that mean I have to listen to you? How does that make you interesting? You didn't get shot, you pushed some fat kid in the way. And then, now I gotta listen to you talking? Everybody gets upset when there's a shooting at a high school. I don't really see why it's any worse than anybody else dying. I don't. Because a lot of people die. Every day, 7,500 people die in America, okay? So that day, 17 kids got shot in a school. What about the other fucking 7,500 people? They didn't die in their sleep. Some of them got electrocuted by their parents. <laughs> people get upset because they're young, right? They died so young. That's offensive to me. Because I, what, if I die now, fuck me? <laughs> Everybody's gonna die, why is it worse? I mean, old people die, nobody gives a fuck. You know like when you tell somebody my grandmother died, they're like, oh, how old was she? She was 98. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you even tell me? <laughs> I don't know, I grew up in the 1970s, and in the 70s, nobody was careful about each other's feelings. There wasn't an issue of bullying. Like, I went to a high school where people just beat the shit out of each other. It wasn't really bullying, it was just people beating the shit out of each other all the time. There's always fights. I never got in a fight. I never got in a fight in high school. The first time I was challenged, you know, some kid like threw his shoulder at me and then he goes, I'm gonna kick your fucking ass. And I said, well, then I'll call the police. <laughs> He's like, what? As soon as you're done beating the shit out of me, I will call the police department. <laughs> because it is illegal to strike another person. <laughs> that was it. I never got in a fight. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So this is such a nuanced bit. First of all, like I was saying earlier, never punch down. Like, if, if you're going to... You can't joke about the victims of a shooting, like especially a school shooting where right. kids die. Like you can't make fun of the kids at Sandy Hook. Like you can't do that. Uh, I can't like speak for Louie in this situation, but I feel like if it started with like your kids, you should be out having fun, not like testifying before Congress. Like I feel like if you follow that thread more than like calling them fucking assholes and right, like you didn't do anything. Like, that that's where the problem lied in that joke. Well, I don't know. Iron- How do you feel about it? The irony is they should be out having fun, but, you know, their high school got shot up and they're trying to not have that happen again. I want to, I would love to see what how he would react if someone there was an active shooter in a building he was in and then see where his perspective goes. Well, I his think daughters. it's clear he would say that's illegal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to call the police. I'm going to call the police. You can't do that. Yeah. Hey, stop. Oh, sorry. My bad. Didn't it's realize illegal this illegal. Never got shot at again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you hear about those cops that just like pussy out. They're like, "Oh, I'm not gonna go in there." Oh, you, you're you're literally that's your one job. Yeah, was to prevent this. Right. Yeah. The, oh, that was the dude at Parkland. We can't give these cops guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they won't do anything with them. Well, uh, this is obviously coming from the point of view of somebody who like doesn't understand. Like, I mean. Like you were saying, they should, the irony is they should be out having fun. Right. They shouldn't be having to do this. And the fact that we have to keep talking about this over and over and over again, that's where the problem is. And I I feel like that is lost on him in this bit. Yeah, I think so too. I don't want to speak for him, but at the same time, like, 
it's evident that that's where he went wrong with this. I mean, the intent, obviously, uh, is always to make people laugh as a comedian. Like, that's it. That's the that's the product that you want. That's the reaction you want to create in other people. That's, what, that's your gift to society, is to be able to make people laugh. And uh, to be just actively stepping on people who have went through something that's like so traumatizing is like eh, maybe there's a better way to do that then he takes himself further away from the subject by saying well i grew up in the 70s we had fights you didn't have mass shootings right not all the time in the 70s right so that this really isn't part of your experience at all but you're talking about it and making it about you and i just think it's kind of weird right to be honest he comes from that generation. It's like, remember the 70s when, yeah, everybody was messed up, though. And all, they're all like you now. And that's why the 70s were dumb. And everything was like Brett Kavanaugh. And, like, right. it, that's the 70s for you. Right. It hasn't aged well at all. Right. Now we're actually talking about things like mental well-being and emotional intelligence. And they're like, Psh, pussy stuff. That, that right. never existed. I'm fine. No, you're clearly messed up and yeah. you've suppressed it for so long that you've become hyper masculine about it and it's like really weird right oh so. my god uh, i just watched a special by uh, daniel slosh slosh shot and slosh whatever it's on hbo and the whole thing is about uh toxic masculinity and he makes it so that even if you're like one of those dudes one of those bros uh, that does the nut tapping um it's funny to you and then at the end he just you just have to watch it. It's it's really a really well crafted stand up special. Um, like I didn't laugh out loud the entire time, but it was like he made a lot of good points that were entertaining enough to keep me through all the way to the end. And then he just hits a home run at the end. It's great. Um, so if you have an hour, definitely check that out. I've watched two of his specials, and they <laughs> were both good. Yeah, he's a thinker, man. Yeah, he really is for sure. Uh, I mean, uh, like we all are on some level as a, as a comedian. Like you have to be. You have to look at something. And it's like, well, that's not all there is here. There's definitely layers to it. But to take somebody who's a victim and and step on them, it's like there's a. You can tell a joke where you get the same point across, but gotta focus either on like the shooter and how ridiculous that is, the construct within which we live, and how ridiculous that is. Mm-hmm. And you can still make the same point, like. You can still joke about how they should be out having fun and not testifying in front of Congress. Right. We shouldn't have to listen to these kids. But here we are. Here we are. I think part of Louis, I'm going to devil's advocate here, I think Louis C.K. likes, he's just eliciting laughter from how absurd his point of view is a lot of times. I would laugh at something like that based on the fact that I'm like, that's totally not true. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's hard to tell if that's his real opinion or if he's literally just being subversive because he's always kind of been that way. And he's trying to subvert uh, the the common you know common sense really of yeah those kids did experience quite a bit of trauma and they're doing what they should be doing but uh, you know you listen to the rest of that set and it's like he's really going in leaning into that and it's like pretty absurd but you know I find some of that stuff funny based on just how much he crosses the line and I'm like that's absurd. It's not necessarily, we talked about this on the last episode, where it's like moral violation laughter. Some people just can't get to that point because they just so strongly disagree with it. Like Kind of like with uh, Sticks and Stones with Dave Chappelle, when I heard him make that joke about the the victim of Michael Jackson's victims and how he's denying that, I got like, I was like, I saw that documentary. Those people definitely got, were victimized by Michael Jackson. I don't think that's funny. 
And so I was like, so that's where I'm coming from with that. Mostly because I just didn't think the joke was funny in itself anyways. To me, like, what's funny is his kind of misunderstanding of it. Like, that's where I, I mean, if I were to write a joke based off of his joke, like, it would be about how people from that era don't understand right. what, what generations now are dealing with. So, like, just, I mean, if you could sum it under two words, it'd be, okay, boomer. Right. You know? Right. He's taking the curmudgeon stance now. He's yeah. A curmudgeon. Yeah, yeah. At He's this point. Spiteful and not, he wants to mis- disalign himself with, or whatever the word is, with, you know, the current, the whatever is contemporary. Well, I mean, I'm, like, going back to what David Cross was talking about, like, what if, that was Louis's daughter. You know, I mean, he's right. got two daughters he talks about all the time. Um, you know, what if their school got shot up? Wouldn't he be a proud dad if he saw them on TV, like, trying to get something done? Right. You know, so. You've heard him talk about his kids. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> but he's, <laughs> he's just kind of, I don't know. But again, he's just trying to. But the 9-11 deniers, I do love that joke. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a touchy. You can't you can't joke about the kids, and if you do, it better be about how ridiculous the whole situation is. And like, I don't know. Like, if, I mean, if you you you've got that joke, like, I mean, would you would you dive into that topic even more? Is that something that you've ever like written more about? Or, um, I mean, I have a ton of taglines that don't get used on that joke unless I'm doing like 20 minutes. Yeah, but I have like the small bit about. Um, tripping the kid who called me a bitch. Like, I would totally trip him on the way out of the building when we're evacuating. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm kidding. Right. Um, and then I have another tagline where I talk about, like, if we did rob a Staples, it would be the most organized heist ever, going with our color-coded Google Docs. Hmm. But we'd get caught because of, like, Sharon's bumper sticker that says, like, my child plays second cello for Shaker Orchestra or something like that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So I do go in a little farther and I don't further, I don't feel like, I don't know. I don't feel like me tripping the kid. I, I can tell that people don't really think I feel that way. I'm not tripping kids. Right. Come on. Right. You, you, you introduce yourself. I mean, it's just like (laughs) this nice person before that. Like people aren't just all of a sudden like, oh wow, she would actually do that. Right. Right. It helps that you made it a hypothetical, too. Like, he's actually talking about actual shooting victims. Right, right. Whereas you're just like, if this were to happen, which I've already established, it won't. This is this is how I'd respond, and this kid kind of deserves it. Based off of my previous jokes. Um, yeah, I have, I have like, one. I have a – it's kind of a school shooting joke. It's almost uh, just kind of – like, I joke about the um, the societal construct of it. Um, yeah. Um, this was at Broadway Comedy Club. And like with, with jokes like this, I love to lose the audience on the first punchline yeah, and then that. get them back. I've done that with school student shooting jokes, too. Yeah. Lose them. Lose them, get them back. Well. Huh. <laughs> Just lose, lose them, them more. <laughs> Gone. But Hold on to me. Here it is. We need to laugh. We do. I mean, there's so many absurd things happening in the world. Do you know in 2018, more Americans were killed in schools than were killed in active war zones? That's messed up. That's also a great way to get kids to join the military. 
stay in school. Or you could visit sunny Syria. It's brilliant marketing. The few, the proud, the alive. This is a ridiculous statistic. Right. I read that last year, and I was like, what the f- How? They're in active war zones, and more people are killed in schools. Like, come on. So, I mean, it, that's the, that's where the joke is. And I get that first, that initial, oh. And I always pause, because eventually like, other people are going to start laughing. Like, oh, it's registering now that mm-hmm. you're actually not joking about shootings. You're jacking, joking about, like, how it's safer to be in the military than in schools, and that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know the government has, I guarantee, if we went on the website, eh, there would be travel warnings for Afghanistan, Syria, you know, all of any country that we're in pretty much right. that's not Western. And um, But we send millions of children to school every day. Right. Right. That's absurd to me. <laughs> it's like, that shouldn't be something that we're talking about right now. We should be, you know, I don't know, we should be in here talking about something else. That but lo and behold, here we are. And uh, I don't know, I've, I'm self-serving as like a comedian just saying like, here we are like, trying to make a difference in our own way. And people are like, you can't joke about that. Mm-hmm. Well, we should be able to. You absolutely can. Up. If it's respectful and especially if it's part of your own experience. Mm-hmm. I say the more you talk about those things, the better. A lot of the things I talk about that might turn an audience off is based on my actual experience and my real opinions. And whenever I, like, uh, interact with someone, say, like, someone who's alt-right, and get nearly stalked by someone, like, predatorily, you know, like, in a very predatory way, uh, then it starts making me, like, think of all this material. Like, I had an interaction with a guy. I don't want to get into it, but it's like, I hate these people now so much that I keep writing material about it. But then when I tell audiences these jokes, they don't find it funny, and it's almost too real for them. But I just think it's hilarious, and I love talking about it. And it's like just incels and alt-right people Mm -hmm. and that sort of weird counterculture. They're just so ignorant, too. Like, it's just, like, (laughs) gross. Like, you guys are willfully ignorant people. Now, when when you write jokes about stuff like that, are you trying to, like... There is Connect with stuff them. that I found funny, but no one else finds funny because it's too dark. Like when I say, like, you remember the good old days when losers would just kill themselves? <laughs> and like, so good. Yeah, I did that at Hilarities at Mike Polk's show the one day. No one laughed except Sam in the back. And I don't always know if that Sam laugh is like a laugh of like, oh, he crossed the line. Bad move, Steve. But I, you know, I'm he. You can't tell if he's genuinely laughing or going, wow, that why did he think that would work here? <laughs> like, I don't know the difference. I, I mean, that's that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you going to take everyone else out with you? Stop. Right. <sighs> I mean, I, so I've written, like, a rough draft of a bit. Just, like, you, you want people to stop shooting up schools, make kids want to go to schools. Like, no one's going to be like, man, I love biology. Like. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's like, you know, why are we teaching kids that they're never going to use and then they hate learning about and when we can teach them useful things? Right. Like, I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, they've gotten rid of shop classes and a lot of school systems, home ec, things that are actually useful. Like, teach them how to balance a checkbook. Teach them things that they're going to leave school and be like, I know how to do this now. Like, no, this I is agree. useful. 100%. I mean, I don't know. Where do you think that, do you think that would have an impact on the number of 
if like, events like this happening? Do you think it would... If kids, like, look forward to going to school for the most part? Like, if kids look forward to going to school, yes. Um, I think the issue with a lot of these school shooters is social acceptance and, like, mental health issues probably that, unfortunately, um, they're they're not their fault. You know, it's probably genetic, their home environment, things like that. Yeah. And I've heard people say, like, don't walk up, don't walk out, like, during the gun walkouts. Mm-hmm. Um, March for Our Lives had the walkout. Um, I was very proud. Our stu- our superintendent led it, and we all went out onto the football field, and we walked out against gun violence, which I thought was very cool. Um, but I also taught at a very progressive, progressive school. That's cool. Um, but we had a, a couple teachers who had signs on their doors that said, don't walk out, walk up, say hi, be a friend, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I wouldn't tell my kid to go befriend a sociopath. <laughs> you don't know. Like if you told me that there was a crazy kid who went to school with you and was like showing violent behaviors and things, I would probably call a school social worker. I wouldn't send my kid in there to go be their friend and be like the front lines on this, you know? <laughs> I think, yes, kids need to enjoy going to school, but there's always going to be these kids with issues, unfortunately. Right. Like, the intention is good. Right. But the, the they actual all, practice. One thing they all share in common, at least in my opinion, is they just lack enlightenment. You know? They don't... I think the more you know, the less violent you'll be. I feel like a lot of these kids that shoot up schools have tons of questions, or they're, they've been misinformed, or they're just uninformed, and they're ignorant. And... Like, if they just knew more about the world, they would probably have a better, more self-respect and more respect for others. Um, But, you know, I could be wrong about that, but I just feel like, I feel like if they were those things, that wouldn't, just wouldn't happen. I mean, so that's clearly something that's missing from there, at least in my opinion. Again, I just don't see how they could be enlightened kids and... Kids aren't enlightened anyways. Like, but if they were, <laughs> like, like you know, kid Buddha. I don't know. It just, yeah, not like Buddhism, yeah. just general better understanding or philosophy on humanity and, you know, how the world works and no one's out to get you per se. I don't know. They, it's like Infowars and all these conservative shoot, shooter. They're all very, very misinformed and very ignorant. Like everybody's out to and get you. And they're afraid. There's a lot of fear there, too. The enlightenment is what gets rid of your fear, like, in my opinion. I don't know. So they need a good acid trip. <laughs> Give kids acid is what we're saying. I don't mean to turn this into a Joe Rogan experience, <laughs> but they need a good uh, they need a good awakening. Um, <laughs> Reading, writing, and an acid trip. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Like, I feel like if we taught kids at a younger age that people aren't always going to agree with you. People right. are going to be hard to get along with, but there's always there's always a solution to Make it. Make them feel empowered, mm-hmm. you know, because if they feel like they can do anything, they won't feel like they have to shoot up a school and end their life. They clearly want to end their life, and they want to take people with them because right. they're spiteful and they hate everybody. And they hate you know, they hate humanity. I think too. Right. So. Nobody nobody shoots up a school with the intention of having a good day tomorrow. <laughs> right. I'm sort of that way. I hate humanity, but I also like have a, an understanding on some level that's keeping me from killing everybody. Because <laughs> like I still don't like, but th- those are the aspects of humanity I don't like. Is the stuff that makes people violent and like so it's kind of the opposite 
in a way. You get what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I, when I say humanity, that's like, I don't mean to throw everybody under the bus. But, like, you get what I'm saying. Like, I mean, we're shit in general. We're garbage. Yeah. <laughs> they just look at it in a certain way where they're like, I want to kill everybody. It's like, no, why don't you just try to help everybody? I don't know. So, yeah, we, we don't know anything in the scheme of things. Like, You'll feel a lot better if you do good things to people than bad things. Right. That's all there is to That's it. That's how the human brain works. Yeah. That's how the human brain works. Although, like, when you're, in the, when you're in the thick of just a, a shit time, like, all you can see is, like, I'm going to fucking kill somebody. There's and depression there. Yeah. They're not experiencing any joy because if they were, they would feel more, uh, you know, altruistic. Or like whatever. there's something to live for. Yeah, exactly. It's a weird suicidal sort of tendency there. Yeah, I've referred a lot of kids to school social workers over the years, and it does wonders. It's sad that, like, mental health services and things are being cut out of schools because they're really needed. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, mental health, art, like, why are those the things being cut? Like, why? Those yeah. things make people feel fulfilled. Yeah. Right. You know? They don't hold kids to being a number. They don't define them as a number. And then they can't make a ton of money for testing companies. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the bottom line. You know, I don't like a lot of these conservative comics that sort of echo what conservatives say, uh, where they're like, I'm not going to say names, but they all go to the funny stop. But uh, anyway, so like, they're like, uh, <laughs> they're like, ADD's not real. Uh, depression isn't real. Like, you are you seriously condoning this? And they mean it, too. They're like, I grew up in the 70s, and we didn't have depression. No, you did. You're all just messed up, and you're uh, a road hack at the funny stop now. And it's like, Psh. it's so bad. Like, you know, you need to don't promote that. I don't I don't think they're being sarcastic. They, they are exaggerating, maybe. But they are not. They they are these people. But at the same time, like, they're doing that. That's communicating to us that we, we, there's this bridge that we need to uh, – there's this gap that we need to build a bridge over. Like, yeah. there's this generation that's pretty much in power at this point, and they there's they have that perspective. Like, I'm from the 70s. We didn't have to deal with any of this. So we don't need mental health in, uh, in schools. We can cut that. Whereas it's yeah. like, well, what can we do? Well, that's a great long-term issue. Like, short-term, yeah, sure, we can, you know – Take your guns. Yeah, I mean, to me, denying a person antidepressants who needs them is like denying a person, um, you know, ADA access to a building if they're in a wheelchair. You're really limiting their options. You know, you're hurting their mental state if they don't have the same opportunities and things as other people. I mean, you're really affecting their lives, you know, and it makes me sad that people can't understand it's that, like, lack of, you can't see their problems, so you don't think there's anything there. Right. You think it's, they're making it up. And that's... Like, wrap your head in a, in a bandage if, you're, if you have mental handicaps. Or, like, they deny, you know, if you're depressed. Yeah. They deny gaslighting is real. Oh, you're not crazy. Or you're not depressed. You're just, you're just a pussy. No. <laughs> it's not that. You just don't understand how brain chemistry works. Smile. <laughs> that's the one that's used on women. Yeah. <laughs> Smile. Oh, man. <laughs> if they were educated, see, it just eats into itself. If they were educated, they would believe in brain chemistry and all these things that are demonstrable. All these things that we're learning about how the human brain works. They're just like, nah, you don't have depression. Read a <laughs> book. Nah. Suck it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dopamine is real. Who, who's joke? Was that Gary Goldman? 
Uh, his have you seen uh, the Great oh, it's Depression? Wonderful. It's fantastic. Oh yeah, I'll probably reference him every single episode of this because he's such a great joke writer. Yeah, um, but that is somebody who's taken this uh, like this issue that everyone that everyone's facing on some level. I mean, let's be honest, mm-hmm. and uh, and really giving it light and really uh, finding the funny in it. <laughs> like he has a a joke where he's in the mental hospital and someone recognizes him <laughs> and he's like, well, "That's peak crazy for me." Like. <laughs> he, I, he's so good. He's uh, I can't wait till he comes in town. I December eighth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's on my calendar. I'm definitely going to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's something that every like back then it was like, oh, you're you're a little bit sad. Snap out of it. You'll be fine. Right. You know, go outside, get some fresh air. Right. Which helps, but that's not the solution. Like, I just had my first anxiety attack a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, yeah, it was rough. I didn't know what the fuck was happening to me. I've made, th- I've made it 32 years without having an anxiety attack. It was a good run. Um, but just life caught up. And my brain decided it wanted to kick into fight or flight for a little bit. And, uh, and just, like, listening to his or just, like, remembering a lot of stuff that he talked about really helped me like in his stand-up. So to say that... You can't joke about something that's fucked up that people are going through is just completely misguided and uneducated because it can really help people. I mean, that's, you know, like mental health issues, like shooting up a school. There's a way to joke about it to get through to somebody who might actually be thinking about doing it. And it's like, oh, it's not all that bad. Well, I love what uh, Kelly Bachman and Amber Rollo from New York are doing. They were two of the women present when Harvey Weinstein was at the Young Actors um, hour or whatever it's called. Mm. And, um, I think they've already had the show, but it's called like rape jokes by survivors. And I think that's very cool. And that's a very, like, that can really help people. But, um, I don't know. I think a lot of times, especially at open mics, we have rape jokes by rapists and that is not (laughs) a good thing. No, No, you don't want school shooting jokes by school shooting. Right. We don't want that. No. But yeah, you can joke about anything. Yeah, it's it's all about. I mean, it's all about the intention. Like the the core. It has What's to. What's your approach? Yeah, you want to approach that. Like you want to make people laugh. How do I make people laugh about this? Like the intention has to be there. If you don't have the intention to make people laugh, probably not going to do a whole lot as a comedian. You're not going to write a funny joke. Right. If you're just there to lecture people. It's a fine line. Like Louis fucked up with that joke, but he was he was there like for a minute and then he lost it. Mm-hmm. But then, but then doing that joke about being from the 70s explained why he lost it. Right. So it's all there. You know, I mean, you can sit there and you can, you can bash him and write articles about how, you know, it's totally inappropriate and you can, you know, go out on, on the internet and how it was wrong. But you can also see that he doesn't understand. And, like, that's, I mean, that's a lot of what our comedy is. Like, when we were trying to be funny when we were kids, you know, we made fun of kids that weren't like us. Why? We didn't understand it. Right. So, I mean, let's, let's start there before we start demonizing people who are, uh, they, they don't understand, first of all. Let's, put, let's bridge that gap. Yeah, it is kind of ironic. There's a, I actually had a joke about this, but I don't really do it very often because people don't know what I mean by it. But uh, I talk about how, like, homophobia is natural. They were born that way, you know? They're, they're homophobic because they were put through a situation, too. But, you know, they're, they could also enlighten themselves right but they are but sometimes it's not that easy they're just not in a position to do that you know 
And I feel like there is a certain cause and effect. Like criminality in people, you can't curb that. It's it's something that will happen, or at least statistically, you know. And it's like, how do you deal with that? I don't know. It's like the world is weird. It's We're still part of nature, you know. Like we're still dealing with our biology and stuff. But we also are human. We're like, there's a duality to it. We're also like, we have the ability to transcend that. But it's like, how do you do it? I don't know. So it's conscious evolution. Like yeah. We have the ability to do that. Right, we're, we're the only mm-hmm. species that can do that. Yeah, take advantage. Like, why are we? Right, take it. Mm, it's something. Yeah, miring ourselves in the past. You just need to have an epiphany, <laughs> whether it's small or big. They need some acid. Yeah, <laughs> I think was, that's what we're saying today. <laughs> That's just the answer to anyone yeah. who's ignorant. We'll just give yeah. them some acid. <laughs> they get worse. <laughs> <laughs> Their lizard brain kicks in. Yeah, that's Joe Rogan again. I guess the like what's what's funny about these things is is the ignorance um, of people who aren't going through it. Like you, I mean, you've made the, the point a couple times. Like you haven't. This isn't your story to tell. Like you haven't gone through this. If you're going to joke about it, it's got to be from a truthful place, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, everything, like everything you joke about, like you have 20, 25 minutes on, on teacher jokes, mm-hmm. like teacher material. And that's you. Like it's so authentically you the whole time. And that's why I think it's so good. It's just like you're so truthful the entire time. Um, but if someone were to go up there for 20 minutes and do the, do your jokes or do similar jokes, it, right. would just, it wouldn't work. No, no. A woman tried. It didn't work out for her. Did she do your jokes? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what happened? She wow. did my Tri-C joke. At the improv. Word for word. And someone alerted me. Yeah. At the improv. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, you did. Ugh. Wow. Woof. When was this? <laughs> Probably two years ago. But, yeah, I mean, it just, you could tell it wasn't hers. Yeah. And she said in the joke, she's like, true story. Listen to this. And I'm like... Wow. You just heard me say that. I met her at a show like two weeks prior. <laughs> it's always about two weeks. People have stolen my jokes before, and they don't do any, like, they don't even, like, tr- make sure I'm not there. They just do it. Like, yep. what are you doing? <laughs> word for word. Well, if you're going to steal jokes, you're probably not that smart to begin with. So you're like, okay, I'm just going to not care how this is executed. I'm going to get caught. And she had me blocked um, on social media, so, like, I didn't have a way to contact her and say, like, please take it down. Um, she, she had a video of it? Yeah. <laughs> she was using it for festival submissions, and it's a very regional, it is a very yeah. regional joke. <laughs> like, no one in Indiana knows what Tricy is. Like, why are you using this clip? And it was only that joke. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, uh, so I didn't have a way to contact her and just talk to her and say, like, please take this down. You know, I, I have seen it in you know, things like that. Yeah. And uh, a seasoned comic who I'm very good friends with talked to her. She still wouldn't take it down. So that's when I resorted to reposting it online. And um, I wasn't super nasty about it. I was just like, hide your jokes when this lady's around. She takes them. Yeah. And then Cleveland Comedy just kind of like took care of it for me. Yeah. 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 We stood together, which but, is great. Uh, yeah. That was, but you could just tell it wasn't authentic. No, and she was telling it. That's why I don't understand stealing jokes. Like what? What verbatim? Yeah, practically what? Right. something so unique 
that you know that no one no one figured out the combination of that lock also. No. It's not a coincidence. Word for word. Right. Like, yeah. I wrote it down too. <laughs> what? Is, is this does this person still come around? No. Okay. Yeah. Have not seen her. Yeah, I don't blame her. she <laughs> That's ridiculous. Like I've never gotten any joy out of making people laugh off of someone else's material. I had a hacky older um like funny stop comic who I've talked to once in my life private messaging me and he was like hey you know that wasn't nice of you to call that lady out you should have really talked to her privately beforehand and stuff and I was like look buddy like just like leave me alone <laughs> you don't know me you don't know what I've you done you don't know me don't tell people how to deal with things uh, smile <laughs> smile <laughs> is that how you solve all the problems oh sorry I didn't I didn't I didn't think of that <laughs> My bad. Oh, this feels so much better now. Oh, all my troubles are fluttering away. Um, so a little bit about you. Uh, how long have you been doing comedy now? Four years. Four years. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Um, what What made you take the leap? Like, what What got you up on stage the first time? Um, I was always interested, and then I went to LVT just to see what an open mic looked like. I'd never been to one. And my friends put me on the list. So that kind of, I had to go up then. Yeah. I didn't have a choice. And uh, they got me a little drunk and I went up and uh, set went okay. And um, there was a man there whose wife ran a showcase called High Heels and Comedy, which no longer exists. But um, I ended up doing that showcase and they paid me and I was like, oh, like I could keep doing this. For a little money here and there. Mm -hmm. And I just kept doing it. I liked it. It's fun. I, I like it. I mean, God, to get that first laugh. So you got that first laugh the first time you went up? How about you? Like the first time you went up, Steve? I mean, how did that? Oh, technically, I did it at a Halloween party where it wasn't a stand up show, but the, there was a live mic and no one was really there except my friends. And they knew I already wanted to do it because I had been writing jokes for a couple years and just didn't like. I'm like, I don't want to do it yet. And um, so that went well. My friends loved it. They were laughing. And then so that felt great. And then I did it at Eurogyro like six months later. And then that was nerve wracking. And then ever since then, it was just trying to win over an open mic crowd, which was really tough. And just that I want to I want to overcome this. And just yeah. So how many years in are you? I uh, hit seven years in September. Played. If you count that Halloween party, though, I'm at eight years. So it's like I skipped six months and then another three months before I started doing it like three or four times a week or more. So I count when I started doing it regularly. So Now, uh, the the first time you went up, did you have jokes written written at that point or did you just kind of wing it? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I had jokes written um, because I always like secretly planned on going up. I just kept putting it off. So I had the jokes ready, and they were terrible. I don't think I use any of them anymore. <laughs> Nor do I. I don't use any of your jokes anymore either, uh, or any of the, the original ones that I ever wrote. God, they were so bad. Yeah, my, my, I had a really bad one that was like, if I wear too much makeup, I get mistaken for a drag queen, and just like things that you shouldn't say, but you know, you go for low hanging fruit when you're first starting, right? Yeah. <laughs> you see that all the time. God, I see so many comedians go for the first time and they're like, rape. 
It's like, well, yeah. like too far. Maybe not the first time. <laughs> oh, you gotta love the one you hear all the time. Uh, this is my first time, and it's like my first time having sex. And here's my uh, my analogy, and it's yeah. like everybody did that, including me. Yeah, I, that was one of my first jokes, and I was like, uh, now I get like. Stop. Yeah, that one dude in the comedy festival the other night. I texted you during the show. Like it was, it was like he filled out a Mad Lib of jokes for the, his first two minutes of his set, and it was like joke writing one hundred and one. It was like, you may think I look like this. Yeah. You may think I sound like this. I may think I'm wearing this because of this. I'm like, a lesbian. Yeah, and that's then, the but biggest then one. Like, yeah. I look like a lesbian. <laughs> I mean, every and like it's one of those ubiquitous jokes where I feel. I feel triggered mm-hmm. <laughs> every time I see that shit happen. Right. Um, so, okay, so the first time you went up, and then uh, you did that showcase. Like, when did you bridge that gap and start making the connection? Like, I need to do jokes about my job because it's absurd what I go through every day. Um, Probably, like, six months in. I would say six months in is when I started doing Barrio. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, people like this teacher shit. Yeah. I'm going to keep doing this. It's a, I mean, it's an unending thread. I mean, like how many how many minutes of, of teacher material do you think you have? Probably 20. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you have like other material that just hasn't seen the light of day that you've? I do. Yeah. Like I have this joke. I've only open mic'd it. Okay. I think I've only open mic it, mic'd it. If I've open mic'd, is that even how we say that? Yeah, it's like Ubered <laughs> or Googled at this point. Um. About the student threatening to sexually assault me. Yeah. And to me, it's funny as hell. Like, it's so funny because they're writing me these emails in broken English that are just ridiculous. And I just need to get that polished up because I think if I could take it and make it super funny. Yeah. People would be like, oh, my gosh, teachers go through some messed up things. But, like, that was still really funny. Mm. Um, Yeah, I have a lot of jokes I haven't seen the light of day yet. Now, with that joke, is that, like, is that the funny behind it, just, like, what teachers go through? Or is it more, like, his broken grammar as he's, like, threatening to sexually assault you? I would say the broke, just the dumb things that the student is saying. It's like, what? But you can't fight back. You're in a situation where you're not allowed to fight back as a teacher. Right. You know, like, you can't. Like, if a man spoke to me like that in Target, it would be... Done. T- target the planet. Want to get threatened? You would be target. roasted yeah. <laughs> until the police got there, yeah. and then you would be. But it's weird because they they pretend teachers are in these positions of authority, but actually, you really put up with mistreatment all day, mm-hmm. and you're not allowed to say or do anything that could like hurt their feelings. Ugh. It's very weird. Yeah. So I try to kind of like make it like that. Like, yes, I'm in this position of authority. But I had to, like, take this. You can't really fight back. Right. I think teachers should have guns. Uh, maybe not guns. <laughs> I wish we could Swords. talk to them the way they talk to us. Yeah. Like, the I first see. time a kid mouths off, me just look at them and say, the fuck did you just say? Yeah. I think that would, like, make the whole year better. Yeah. yeah. But instead I have to be like, please don't talk that way to me. That's inappropriate. I'm going to have to send you to the office when really I just want to be a bitch. Yeah. If you're going to talk to me like an adult, I should be able to talk to you like an adult. Yes. Roast the kids. Yes. Yeah, at least my parents are together. Boom. Roasted. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff like that. Yeah. Just really, but like so honest, like, or at least likely, like, Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> just get them where it hurts. Oh yeah, that, that uh, I saw your mom on conference night joke. That's yeah, great. yeah. that's such a great. That joke. is a perfect example of that. Like I love the. This is what I wish I could say. Right. Kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> to them, that's fantastic. Um, I so. actually I watched my professor from CSU like watch you tell jokes. And it was just weird because he's a teacher and watching him, la- he'd be like, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Wait, of, he watched me? Yeah, yeah. He was do- He was there, Professor Abelman, and he was like, I was just watching him react the whole time to everybody's jokes because of his unique perspective mm-hmm. as being a teacher. And he's also Jewish, so I watched all these Jewish comics go up and do all the the, the sort of uh, tropey stuff mm-hmm. and him just be like, not funny. Because he's just like, I'm, I'm Jewish, and this stuff is just... He's, he always used to harp on stereotypes. So when he hears those stereotypes, I can see his brain working and just being like, no, nope, that's Shut not funny. Down. That's stupid. He wasn't laughing at that stuff. He thought you were funny, though. So Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Abelman. <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah. This is what, at 78th Street the other night? Yeah. 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 That was fun. That was a good show. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good comics. So. That was a great show. Man. All right. Um, what else? So four years you've been doing this. Um, like what, what is funny to you? Like, do you, I mean, that's such a broad question. Mm -hmm. Um, but especially like topics like this, like what is the laugh point for you? Like, what is the point where you're like, this is actually funny. This isn't, I mean, it's sad, but it's so sad that it's funny. Like, yeah, like what? Like where do you find the funny in, in tragic things like that? I like um, so I was raised on Daily Show mm. and other forms of political satire. So I love political satire, and then when it pushes that line of like that would never happen, it's just one step beyond what would actually happen. So like um, we know teachers aren't going to actually go hold up a Staples, right? Right. But the fact that our society has set them up to where they easily could or would want to. Like, I kind of like that. And The Daily Show, I feel like they do that a lot. Like, they're like, this is weird and this is what actually did happen. But then what if we went one step more? So I I enjoy that. Uh, When you're writing jokes, do you kind of follow that? Like, well, if that's true, then what if this? I do. Just keep building until... Do you just get take it to a point where it's like, well, that's too far, and then yes. scrap it? Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. I have I have a lot of inappropriate tags that I've ended up just getting rid of, or tags that just I thought they were super funny, but other people don't. And uh, yeah. So the the writing process for you, um, starting? Do you? I mean, do you start with? just a central idea and then just free write or do you write on stage like what's I usually go punchline first okay and then I write kind of around the punchline and I do follow I do follow like a standard like premise setup punchline tag 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 um but it varies because I kind of try to weave it like a story mm-hmm. um but I do follow like a very basic joke writing formula it works 
It works, man. Audience eat out of the palm of your hand. That's so fun to watch. Oh, it really thank is. Thank you. <laughs> I really enjoy it. And I enjoy working with you. I'm just like, I want to book this on every show uh, that I do. Like, you're so yeah. kind. That's <laughs> so fun. Because I just, uh, again, like, I love watching the audience experience you for the first time. And it's like, it's, it's exciting for me. Like, it makes me mm-hmm. enjoy do, like, booking shows, you know, mm-hmm. just seeing that. Like, I, you know, and being in this this business, it's a tough business. So to see, you know, people respond so authentically um, to obviously authentic material. It's fun to watch. Well, thank you. So. I love working with you. I love your show ideas. Like the <laughs> six six courses, so unique. Nothing that's ever been done before. So David's humble, so I'm just going to plug his shows right here. Steve also runs the be- one of the best open mics ever, TikTok. It's like one of the only open mics where you actually get an audience. So mm-hmm. thank you. I'm plugging your shows because I feel like you won't. I don't know if you will or not. <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, they yeah, are good. It's, they it's are fun. good shows. I like doing your shows. It's fun. I like I like creating experiences for people. Like that's really like that's what I get off on. Like just you know, just sitting in the back of the room and watching a bunch of people laugh and being like, I made this happen. Like mm-hmm. that's fulfilling to me. You guys um, are very humble when you're, you know, instrumental parts of the scene. That's fun, man. It's a great scene. There's a lot of really funny comedians. If you're not from Cleveland and somehow are listening to this, definitely like I mean, there's some I mean some very, very funny comedians and there's a lot of fun shows happening and Quality like stage time. Quality stage time. And it's so easy. Much. Like, And you're so close to so many other cities, too. Like, You can just take a two-hour jaunt to Toledo or Columbus or Pittsburgh and mm-hmm. get on stage there and work yourself in front of new audiences. So we're lucky, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and then it, it also helps to have great clubs, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't speak so much for improv. I haven't, I haven't done that yet. But um, the hilarities is... There's so great. many great clubs in just Cleveland and not Cuyahoga Falls, you know? <laughs> Pete, just... I still love you. Please, <laughs> Pete, Pete, please book me to feature as much as possible. Yeah. Pete is not listening. But, no. no man, he's got... He's got his... He's going to book that, that hypnotist watch, again. Watch my upcoming dates all get canceled because of Steve over here. <laughs> you won't follow me anymore. Um, cool. Uh... Instagram, Twitter, where can we find you on social media, Liz? At It's Liz Blanc, so I-T-S-L-I-Z-B-L-A-N-C. That's both. Yes. That's both. Steve. At Steve Mers on Instagram, at Steven Mers on Twitter. Steve N. Mers. I'm sure they, I'm pretty sure they heard that, yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm like talking like this, like. (laughs) N for no. Right. Um, I'm the David Horning. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook that way. Or no, Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can just find me by my name on Facebook. I'm not the guy that was on American Idol in like 2004. I don't know. Somebody has my name. I haven't killed him yet. He's um, a comedian? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's on American Idol, not America's Got Talent. Oh, right. I'm, I keep thinking right. that. Yeah. Uh, and so to sum this all up, uh, what we've talked about today, um, it's really... Um, I mean, this whole this whole being able to laugh at like school shootings. Um, it's all about like the authenticity of the of the joke teller. Um, I mean, from where you're coming from, you from a teacher's perspective, uh, and the absurdity of the society in which we live. And uh, I mean, that's one thing to joke about. If you want to do a school shooting joke, joke about the construct, joke about the people who do it, and. Uh, don't make fun of the kids that get shot. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not do that. They've gone through <laughs> enough already. Um, mm-hmm. Make fun of the shooters. 
But even then, <laughs> before like, they yeah, do it, some no, empathy yeah. for, but uh, before they do it, but yeah. not after. Right. No, it's all about intention. It's all about, you know, know your audience too, for sure. Right. And, yes. uh, and uh, if they're not going for it, then just say my dad's white too. I can, t- <laughs> I can tell that joke. <laughs> Taylor. Right. Yeah. For sure. Well, thanks, Liz, for coming. I appreciate you, you taking guys. time out of your busy schedule. Uh, thanks to Golden Ox Studios. Definitely check them out. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. And remember, uh, I'm not, I don't know, I'm trying to come up with a good tagline for the end. And remember, if you can't laugh at that, actually, you can. Does that work? I dig it. For now. Yeah, for it's, now. It's like a rough draft. All right. This, is, uh, this has been fun. I think it would be funny if we all just clapped at the end. <laughs> Because <laughs> it feels like the end of a comedy show. You know, like, Give yourselves a round of applause. Yeah. Give yourselves a round of applause for being here. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.